Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ray Saragosa. We are here in my nearly empty apartment in Long Beach, California. I'm only here for two more days. Um, and I don't know, I guess I really just want to have a good time and connect with people and empower youth of color and empower other kids that grew up thinking they couldn't be a performer because of the color of their skin, that they can, and they can do all kinds of stuff. So every year I'm just trying to do something different and new and cool. <laughs> From the late night, skipping the chasers, playing for strangers at the bar. So who are we now? Who are we now? Standing on sacred stolen ground Who has the answers when there's no one to be proud? Oof, I can listen to that voice all day long. Uh, hey everybody, you're tuned in to the show on the road. As always, I'm your sonic spelunker, Z Lupitan. And uh, yes, you are listening to the amazing Ray Zaragoza, who I was able to talk to in her apartment in Long Beach. Uh, she had no belongings left in that apartment because she is about to go on the journey of her life. And uh, we'll let her talk about it in just a second. But first, I want to quickly sidestep to a story you may have seen in the news last week. Uh, the founder of Rolling Stone magazine and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Jan Wenner, who is putting out a book called The Masters, a collection of his interviews over the years with rock and roll stars like Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, and Bruce Springsteen. And he doesn't include a single person of color or a single female artist in this collection of masters. And why, you may ask? Well, he said out loud that no women or artists of color were as articulate enough on this intellectual level and folks like Joni Mitchell, why they could not be viewed as, quote, philosophers of rock. And yes, for PR's sake, he said, I should have included them, but I don't give a shit. 
Now, we could dive into the many reasons. This is totally insane. But there's something that Ray said at the end of our talk here that really stuck with me. We have to decolonize our minds. We have been trained from moment one to value a certain set of artists, a certain set of ideals, of looks, of skin color. And artists like Ray are maybe just being able to be seen and heard for the first time on a wider level. And while many of the glowing PR stories about Ray Zaragoza will mention her indigenous heritage and how she fought for the rights of her forgotten people, what I am most struck by is her songwriting. And maybe like those quote-unquote masters who came before her, Joni Mitchell, Stevie Nicks, Carole King, Ani DeFranco, I think Ray is going to be someone we're going to be listening to for centuries to come. A skylight and a garden Tell me what that means So two momentous things are occurring right now. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Hold That Spirit is mm-hmm. now in the world. Yeah. Um, congrats. Thank you. Bumping it on the way here. Loving every moment of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, you're packing up this apartment because you're doing something uh, definitely that you've never done. Yeah. Which is... Going on a worldwide, not worldwide, national, national tour. Yeah. Maybe it'll go worldwide. Maybe. Of a new production of Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. It, it, the timing is really crazy. So um, basically in the next two months, I have my, my first ever headline tour with a band for my music. And then I'm also starting rehearsals for the national tour of Peter Pan um, that I'll be playing Tiger Lily in. And this is a brand new reimagined version of Peter Pan um, where all of the indigenous characters are no longer stereotypical racist versions of just horrible, horrible, horrible stereotypical characters. Um, Now it's um, all new and I'm excited to be a part of that, like reimagining. When I was growing up, there was a uh, TV version of Peter Mm -hmm. Pan that we played on loop. Yeah. I think with Mary Martin. Okay. As Peter yeah, Pan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is yeah, kind yeah, of interesting yeah. in itself, right. right? You got like the gender bending. Right. Uh, That's you know, always been lead part. The thing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Tiger Lily was a white lady yes. with some makeup on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Red, why, red face, like, yeah. Why is, why is that a thing that was, yeah. like, how could that be a thing for that long? Yeah. Like, nobody thought that right. was a thing that people yeah. would, in history would be like, you know, maybe. Totally. It's really wild to me. You rethunk that. It's, also been like very recent um that like a lot of character indigenous characters have not been played by indigenous people um and i feel like it's a a lot of it comes down to the ignorance of a lot of people not even realizing that indigenous people are still here and that indigenous people still exist and that they are also actors and we are also performers and there's so much talent and can we can portray indigenous people so i think that's just been the ignorance of many 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 years and finally there's like people like larissa fasthorse who is the playwright who is doing all of the new edits to this version of peter pan um so she is the reason that we are really mindful of all the indigenous characters and everything's changing is because she's also native and so it's really cool people like her are really opening the doors and starting these conversations and changing things. So, yeah, it's going to be cool. <laughs> you have a song called Still Here yeah. on the new record, yeah, um, which is really beautiful. Um, that the idea of like sort of after everything mm-hmm. we've lost, mm-hmm. um, 
you have to kind of just embrace that mm-hmm. nothing is going to mm-hmm. be the same, like this yeah. river throwing, flowing right. throughout time. Right. Wow. Um, but I can feel in that mm-hmm. song and stuff in this record mm-hmm. that there is a musical theater mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, lover inside. Oh, yeah. 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 I know you're scared, I know you're scared But you won't be scared alone You're not as far, you're not as far As you think you are from home Every line that we've drawn, every bond that we've broken After singing sort of musical theater stuff at school? Yeah, so I grew up in New York City, and my dad was uh, on Broadway when I was a kid, so he played um, Chief Sitting Bull in Annie Get Your Gun on Broadway, which also is a character that needs a lot of (laughs) updates, but... um, so when I was a kid, I went to performing arts school. I went to a middle school that only had 20 kids per grade, and pretty much all the kids in my class were like professional working actors, and on, they were all on Broadway, leaving school early to go do their Broadway show or whatever. And um, so that was like the world I'm from, and I've been doing theater since I was like eight years old. Um, I did like off off Broadway shows when I was a kid, and just a lot of theater in New York. And then when I moved to LA for high school, I did theater at Beverly Hills High School and just did it like that. And then after high school, I kind of realized, I was like, I don't really want to sing other people's songs. <laughs> so then I started writing my own music and that's kind of where it all started for my music. So it kind of branched out of musical theater, but now it's coming back, I guess. Um, but I definitely have a lot of musical theater roots in my music for sure <laughs> well, you add strings you add yeah you know, yeah these sort of theatrical elements sound beds throughout the record mm-hmm. that make it pretty huge mm-hmm. and then you come kind of way down um for some of the tracks especially mm-hmm. at the end which i i really loved mm-hmm. um because yes there's a lot of um protest yeah in yeah your music but i think all of it often the stuff that hits sort of hardest on this mm-hmm. record is just sort of like I just want to like honor yeah, who yeah, I yeah. am, and, right? Like, and like be okay with my body exactly. and, and 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 where I'm going. Totally, yeah. That's why, like, I always feel like I'm writing stories, not like persuasive essays. Like, I'm right. not trying to like get on stage and tell people, well, this is what's wrong with America, and this is what we need to change. And like, I do do those things a lot, but I feel like with the music, it's kind of like being a um, a storyteller. It's kind of like changing the world through stories. Um, and like, I'm not a politician and I never will be, and I will never know how to be, but I am a songwriter and I feel like my best way of like sharing my stories and changing the world and opening minds is through, you know, songwriting. I had, uh, Ani DeFranco on this Ooh, podcast. Oh, yes. And, uh, I was so sort of impressed by her incredible focus mm-hmm. 
and her ability to say mm-hmm. these complex ideas mm-hmm. in an unbroken, mm-hmm. you know, almost like politician-like mm-hmm. speech. Right. And at the end, I was like, mm-hmm. are you sure you don't mm-hmm. want to run for office? Cause yeah. I would vote for you. I know. And then she was like, absolutely. Right. Not. But that's like the sad thing about politics is like, the people who really should be right. in charge would never dare, never dare try. That, That's so true. That dirty water. That's so know? true. Yeah, so many artists are really amazing like that, and are truly amazing public speakers. And I, I can rally myself to do those things, but I, I still feel so much more comfortable singing than I do speaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's intense to be a public speaker. So tell me, yeah, tell me about your parents and 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 how music first hit you growing up. Yeah. So, um, when I was a kid, my dad was on Broadway, so I was exposed to a lot of musical theater and things like that. And like Bernadette Peters was like in the show with him. So she's like a Broadway legend. And to me, she was just like, Andy Bernadette, like she's just hanging out. She, and her voice is insane. And, um, I always really idolized her vocal technique. And I think I really, to this day still, um, use her as like a, a touchstone, for vocal technique, but um, also my dad was a mariachi. He played trumpet in a mariachi band. So I was exposed a lot to mariachi music, Mexican music from my dad's side of the family. Uh, my dad is Native American of Akima Atam descent and also Mexican. So I got a lot of the music influence from his side because a lot of my cousins and my, my, uh, my abuelita was always like having people over and like bring instruments, play songs. It was like a very like party music family. Um, and then my mom's side, she's Japanese and Taiwanese. Mm. Um, and not, not as much music on her side. She didn't really do a lot of music stuff. My mom is more the business brain Mm. and that's where I get, I think my my businessy side (laughs) for being an independent artist. But, um, I also, um, I also just got really into like classic rock and folk music as a kid. Um, for some reason, like my close friends that I met in middle school, got me into like the best music. Like my one friend, Zach, who I'm still friends with now, he got me into the Beatles and Queen and Queens of the Stone Age and Crosby, Stills and Nash. And my dad used to listen to Harry Chapin and James Taylor all the time. And my other best friend loved Led Zeppelin and just all these things that you would not really expect 11 year olds listening to, but it just ended up being in my world as an 11 year old. That was what the cool kids were listening to. And my weird like school for weird children of performing artists. And so that's just what was normal to me. And then that super shaped my music. I mean, that mm. title track, Hold That Spirit, mm. reminds me of Stevie Nicks. Mm. Like, and Thank her you. solo record. Her, yeah. You know, that Belladonna mm-hmm. stuff. Where yeah. You have the, the sort of mm-hmm. guitar mm-hmm. pushing it through. But, um, you know, you're talking about opening up the mm-hmm. cages that right. have been sort of locked throughout time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cross your heart and hope to die. Look that monster in the eye. Hold on, lightning. Don't close your eyes when it's frightening. Let that thunder grow. Through the ages, you open up all the cages. Hold that spirit. Hold that spirit close. In many ways, this whole debate about critical race theory in schools Mm -hmm. it's like we have this fundamental breakdown in a lot of parts of this country where people do not want to talk about Mm -hmm. the past Mm -hmm. because it somehow judges them now now yeah and it's like so we can't Mm -hmm. actually admit that we were 
wrong or that we were uh, holding an entire mm-hmm. generation of people back mm-hmm. because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Because you're mm-hmm. butthurt about it right, now? exactly. Like, that makes no sense. Yeah, there's, like, this thing where, like, you know, as a daughter of an immigrant or daughter of an indigenous person, and it's like, you carry your family's history and trauma with you everywhere you go. Not only do people judge you for the color of your skin or for where you're from or whatever, but also, you know, you carry that generational trauma, you carry all those things, and we, I feel very proud of it, but it's so interesting to me how, like, what you're saying, where there's so many people who don't want, they want to completely detach themselves from where they're from and from the history, and they don't want to learn about anything, they don't want it to be a part of the world now, because then they have to admit that that is a part of American history, and it's just so interesting how, like, what a privilege it is to not even want to associate with the past. Because that is impossible for for immigrants and indigenous people. The past is such a huge part of life. Well, I think that there is a kind of bizarre mm-hmm. thing about American uh, assimilation mm-hmm. or immigrant culture. Yeah. I, I kind of honestly feel with my mm-hmm. Italian grandmother mm-hmm. who's still mm-hmm. around, 97. Mm-hmm. She's born in New York, but like yeah. her family yeah. were, you know, they were destitute. They came from Italy. Mm-hmm. And in her mind, there's no like pride mm-hmm. about her past. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to visit Italy. She doesn't yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. about mm-hmm. that side of her mm-hmm. family. I mean, it was tough. Her mother mm-hmm. like, literally died having her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of trauma there. Mm-hmm. But instead of like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, I'd love to find out more about mm-hmm. who I am, it's yeah. like, no, I'm American. Erase everything before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a very like mm-hmm. weird thing for me. Yeah. As, like, no, there a is storyteller. A, a I want to like yeah. know the story. Yeah. And a lot of the family is like, we don't want to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, that's like it's a trauma thing. I mean, I can understand like my great-grandmother and her being taken from her tribe and being, you know, all the brutality and horrible violence that she experienced. It was like she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to relive it or share about it because it was too traumatizing. So I do understand that for sure. Um, and I think that, you know, as her descendants, it's like, I wish we would have known more. I wish she wouldn't, would have been more open to sharing, but yeah, there's definitely a, a trauma response there for sure. Yeah. What does the phrase hold that spirit mean for you? So hold that spirit for me means to like, hold on to like that spark and that belief in yourself that you can move forward. Um, for me, like spirituality and just, just like that inner self, I feel like, I was really losing, especially during like a pretty difficult relationship. And I was also losing to like all kinds of like obsessive behavior around food and my body image and an eating disorder. And I was just like kind of losing myself and all of these external things that were pulling me away from what really is important, which is like spirit and like inner self. And so hold that spirit is pretty much just like through all the noise and all the thunder and all the rain and everything. You just have to keep holding on. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's also a 
interesting thread throughout this record of like looking the monster in the exactly. eye. Exactly. Confronting the monster or I don't want to be the monster mm-hmm. under your bed. I yeah. don't want to like mm-hmm. have to be uh, someone who is constantly running from yeah. this monster. Yes. Um, you know. Yes, I love it. I love like a lyricist can like really pick out the lyrical well, I'm like, I'm like, oh, there's themes. the monster again. The monster's back. Yeah, I was talking to Anna about that, my co-writer who wrote all the songs we referenced the monster. And it's like, I think all the songs I wrote with her, we referenced the word monster. Um, and it just, I, I, through the past few years, it's been a lot of like the, not avoiding your fears or avoiding the like icky thing. It's just going to make you so miserable. So you have to face it. And like the denial, denial is so strong. And I was in denial about many things in my life. And I, through this record, I had to really face all of them head to head and just like look the monster in the eye and just be like, you, you don't control me. Like you can sit in the car, but you can't drive, you know? And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a monster feels like almost like part two of hold that spirit. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like that. Extended cut. Yes. Um, but you know, coming right out with that line, you know, Mm -hmm. your hand is wrapped around my throat, Mm -hmm. you know? And is that sort of almost the societal pressure mm-hmm. on women? It could be. Yeah. Um, because that, that the ravenous obsession telling you you're not good enough. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's in a lot of us as artists, yeah. but I think it's like doubly on uh, women creators. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's so many ways you could like kind of slice that with like who is like, whose hands are wrapped around your throat. I mean, I think that there are so many... <clears throat> different people or things that it could be in, in a moment. I'm sure like every time I sing it, I think of something different, but for me, when I wrote it, I think it mostly was just about the like obsessive voice that would not let up when I was really in the throes of obsessive behavior around like uh, food and body image and stuff, which absolutely is also fed by um, society and these unexpected, un- you know, just crazy expectations for women and all these things. And, and just like yourself, I mean, so many think expectations I have are so self-imposed. Like no one told me I had to be an overachiever in every single aspect of everything, but I have put that on myself. Your hands wrapped around my throat. What you want, I don't know. You take a shot and then you swing But I keep fighting I'm fighting It's like a shadow on my heart And I don't know how it started But I'm not living that life anymore No, I'm not living that life My body's not a monster and I'm finally gonna let that thunder roll. I think that there's all the time, you know, I have a lyric I have a lyric tattooed on my forearm that says go farther in lightness, which is a gang of youth lyric. And um, for me, like loosening the grip 
on, around my throat is not just someone else's doing, but it's also like my own. I have to like loosen that grip as much as I can myself. So when you see yourself like 10 years in the future, yeah, Ooh. like what is the yeah. fantasy version of you? Oh, I like this is a fun game. It's so weird because I feel like as an indie artist and especially I just left my 20s, like I just turned 30. So in my 20s, I was like not really that concerned with the future. Right. <laughs> I was just like, we're here, we're in our 20s, we're having fun. Um, but now in 10 years, like I said, be 40. I mean, I want to have kids. I want to like have my own version of some kind of like white picket fence future. And it's like so much of my album is about how I throw away that need or that desire or that holding it against myself. Like if I don't have this thing, then I'm failing, but I do want all those things. I just don't want to go about it in the way that I was before. So yeah, I do want to have a house on Naples Island in Long Beach <laughs> and I want to have manifest. Yes, exactly. And I want to have like a few, a couple kids and have like a full-time partner. And I want to have my own music studio and maybe be touring a little bit less and focusing more on writing and just doing more of the things I can do from home. And, you know, I was writing for a children's Netflix show for two years and that was so fun. Which show? Um, Spirit Rangers. Oh, cool. And so I would love to do more of that and just do more that I could do um, from from home. I, was, I still want to tour forever in little spurts, but this whole, like, leaving my apartment behind to tour for a year thing is definitely not something I plan on doing 10 years from now. It's yeah. a lot. <laughs> That's going to be a, a, a mental challenge in itself. Yeah. You know, I mean, because look, these theater folks, even a lot of yeah. touring bands, they're like nomads. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. people um, are gone. They often don't have time to have mm. these full time relationships. I know. Um, I've been that person. You for know, a long time, yeah. And uh, definitely a lot of things that I talk about on this podcast are like how we reconcile mm. our non-music mm. self and this part of ourselves that is, it's in there. Like I you're know. not going to change that. Mm -hmm. And luckily, you know, there are people, mm -hmm. God bless my wife, who mm. are like, oh yeah, I'm like okay mm. with that part of you. Wow. But, <laughs> but... It changes when mm. the kid the kid comes in the picture. Yeah, for and not sure. saying that my wife isn't a hundred percent supportive, mm -hmm. but like I was just in in Europe for mm -hmm. you know a good almost two weeks. Yeah, that's sort of been the one chunk mm -hmm. of the year, like last year, where mm -hmm. I'm like gone for more than mm -hmm. just a few shows, yeah. and like it was rough. Right. You know, it's like all for on sure. Her, you know? Absolutely, I can only imagine. And I feel guilty. I feel yeah. like um, I'm not like doing enough to be a responsible mm -hmm. person yeah. because there is something deeply <laughs> irresponsible about choosing this life. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But then you see the, the yeah. like, ideal version of it. You're right. like, Oh look, people can yeah. really do it. Right. And you're getting these opportunities. Right. That's why it's great that you're doing it barely now. 30 yeah. and, and, and not, you know, this, yeah. is, this is when you should be doing it. That's exactly what I, you know, I also have a goal to write a musical myself and I've worked on, I've done like a residency with Roundabout Theater Company and have like done things where I'm like planning these seeds for writing my own musical. And also a huge part of what I'm excited to be doing this musical is I get to do research for if I want to write one on the, 
yeah, it's in great, the future. Great and research. Then I've been doing a lot more with sync. And so there's things that I could do that don't rely on touring right. that I think I will eventually double down on when I do want to have a kid in the future. Um, because yeah, I mean, I, I remember what it was like when I was a kid, my dad, he would leave for X amount of days to go on tour with any or gun or whatever. Um, and it was really hard <laughs> and I don't know how much I want to do that, but also it's like touring won't go away. So right. it's going to be a, still going to be a part of my life in 10 years, but, um, it's interesting to like have to figure out how that's all going to be pieced together. But you know, well, I try to look at it like I'm yeah. bringing like a cool yeah. experience mm -hmm. for my daughter yeah. and my wife, but yeah, but, but you know, where my daughter can go to places. Mm. I mean, she, my daughter has been to like Mexico and Hawaii yeah. and Utah. And, I mean, she's mm, one and a half. She's so probably flown cool. more than most people in their entire lives. Yeah. Not always for the music, but yeah. like, we're just sort of treating her like, yeah, she's part of totally. the experience. You know? Yeah. And I have a lot of friends who grew up like that and, and think about it like the, it was the coolest upbringing ever, you know, yeah. and they loved it. Um, but I had, so, this, I had yeah. this conversation with uh, the artist Bahamas oh, cool. yesterday and like he's like, I think yeah. he has two or three kids. Wow. And he was like, he's like, I wish we would have started earlier. I, I'd love to have 10 kids. And I'm like, bro. Whoa. You know? But so he's cool. sort of, he comes at it like... Like, yeah, music is great. Like, mm -hmm. this is the greatest thing I've ever yeah. done. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I see what he's saying. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah. it's also, um, I think if you have a certain de degree of success and stability, totally get that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's almost right. like. Right, when you're in, like, the middle, it's. Like. Totally. We like to say that our daughter is limited edition. Right. There's mm -hmm. not going to be any more. Right, 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 <laughs> For right. For various reasons. Yes, I know. I, I heard um, when you talked about that as well in your show. And I was like, wow. Yeah, my so. wife has been through just yeah. insane um, trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, she's writing yeah. like a book. A book about it. In like this substack mm -hmm. um, called Rare Disease Girl, which I named. Wow. Oh um, my gosh. Uh, which is, it's a, it's a, it's an intense mm -hmm. read mm -hmm. um, because I think I almost blacked out mm -hmm. a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like what happened about a year and a half ago mm -hmm. because it felt like a horror film that right. was happening mm -hmm. to someone else. Right. And then like, oh, this perfect yeah. baby's here. Great. Right. Oh my gosh. And then she has this like insane memory. Mm -hmm. So she's like wow. cataloging all this mm -hmm. stuff. And now just, you know, recently she's going into all the files at like Cedar Sinai of like what actually happened to her. And oh they didn't gosh. even tell, tell us it. happened. Oh my gosh. Because it was so fucked. Oh my gosh. Like there's like no way she yeah. should have made it out of there. And so it's like how to process mm. trauma through art mm -hmm. is really interesting. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, I think uh, the song Sweetheart, yeah. right? Again, mm -hmm. sort of you're being very focused about like, I don't want to be right. your preacher, your mother, your yeah. whore. Yeah. It's like these like, expectations that yeah. are put upon people in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like the clarity in that is really cool. You know? Oh my God, when we wrote that line... I was like, we can't put that in. And we were like, we should. No, we can't do it. Let's just put it. And then, but it's so, so like a, such a perfect, like 
blatant example of how a lot of women feel in relationships. Like, I don't want to be your preacher, your mother, or your whore. It's like so many times I've been in relationships and of course I'm a part of this. It's not just like a one way street, but like there's also some codependency in me that feeds these situations, but feeling like you are someone's therapist, you are their caretaker. You have to make them every freaking meal. You have to take care of them in every which way. And then you also have to be like, their like sexualized object whenever they want you to be. And it's, really fucking toxic (laughs) and needs to change the expectation of women in relationships needs to change too yeah i don't want to be a woman crying on the floor at night i don't want to keep on searching for the day i feel all right i don't want to be i don't want to be burning burning at both sides i don't want to keep on running with the blindfold on my eyes Don't you frown, it's unbecoming And keep your crown from falling You better not let them down I highly recommend anyone who's getting married Mm -hmm. It's like, have your heart broken at least once Maybe twice (laughs) Like, like, you know, like, go through some shit that you know Mm -hmm. doesn't work Right, for sure Which I think is, it sucks, but it's important Because then you can realize, Mm -hmm. okay yeah, I can't be yeah. in that dark hole uh-huh. and think that that's like an acceptable that's, way yeah. to be in a relationship. I think it's good to experience the dark yeah. hole because yeah. when you have never experienced it, it's hard to know that you're in it when you're in it. Because mm-hmm. I was in it and I was like, this is normal, right? Everyone says that relationships are hard. Everyone says that relationships <laughs> are miserable. Like maybe I'm just, you know, but then no. And then I, I, I'm so glad because I had reference points to past relationships that didn't feel that way. And I was like, no, I don't think this is how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you have, you know, one of my favorite songs of yours from uh, Woman in Color. Yes. <laughs> uh, it Girl, the It Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a cool track. Thank you. That, again, sort of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is a different side of yeah. that uh, sweetheart track. Of, right. Sort of like, hey, like, mm-hmm. I can be right. the cover of the magazine. Right. Just right. because I don't look like yeah, everything yeah, yeah, you yeah, thought yeah. was supposed to be there. Totally. Like, why can't yeah. I be the one? Yeah that you're obsessed with. Totally. That's so funny. It is a little bit like the counterpoint because it's like, I'm not America's sweetheart, but I could be if I wanted to be. (laughs) I could tell I was living in a world that wasn't made for brown skinned girls. Just you wait, it'll be your turn. And in the mirror, I would say to her, I could be the girl, can't Loved it. But I feel like the thing that holds me back a little bit, and they do acknowledge this in the movie. Yeah. It's like, would we all be as obsessed with this Mm. if it wasn't like Margot Robbie, perfect blonde Mm. beauty as Mm. the protagonist? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Like, we cannot ever mm. get out of our obsession Mm. for the skinny blonde. I know. But, you know, it's like, it's one of those things in American culture, especially, Mm. where like, this is the ideal. Absolutely. And I think that like a lot of people of color and women who aren't, you know, Margot Robbie-esque 
have that also. We have we have this like internalized hatred for our own bodies, for just female bodies in general that don't look like that. And it's so crazy how you have to unpack that, you know, just because like I look different from that doesn't make me any less like susceptible to that way of thinking. And then I'm like catching myself and I'm like, wow, like look at me judging myself and, and judging other women because that ideal in my head is like Im- embedded in my soul. And I need to like decolonize my own brain um, and there's so much internalized, you know, hatred for whatever in all of us. I mean, have to all, all of us have to unpack that slowly. <laughs> well, it's like that line and, you know, not living in a world for right. brown skin girls. Right. right. Exactly. It's like yeah. you're sort of having to like shape shift your way right. to be like, well, if I can just act right. like mm-hmm. the other kids. Exactly. You know, was there a moment in your playing career where you're like, maybe I am the it girl? Like where you felt like peak rock star moment I feel like that has been this year a little bit because I think that all of us have this idea of like the ultimate thing you could be is like a Disney princess right Uh and like I guess getting cast to portray this like new version of Tiger Lily our show is not associated with Disney because we are based off of the original story that the Disney was also based off of so I'm not technically a Disney princess (laughs) But getting to portray a character that's so iconic and get to be on the front poster of Billboard with, like, the other actors and, like, all of us that day, like, just felt like it girls, you know, and, like... Taking the photos. Well, when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We just felt so... It felt iconic and it felt like this really incredible new thing. And then with Hold That Spirit coming out, getting to do my first headline tour, like, this year I definitely feel the most it girl I've ever felt, which is cool because it's, like, the year that I'm, like... 30, which is when I always thought, like, my youth would go to die, which is, like, obviously such a stupid um, misconception. But um, this year definitely feels like my year. <laughs> it feels good. There she goes, the one and only Ray Zaragoza, everybody. RayZaragoza.com is the website. Her new record is called Hold That Spirit, and uh, she'll be touring uh, with a full band, I'm told, uh, starting in Alaska coming up, in Colorado, in Wyoming, in Nebraska, in Iowa, lots of stuff. Please check it out. We had a great time having her open for my band Dust Bowl Revival in Venice Beach uh, last year. And uh, we're going to be playing a really special show with our Dust Bowl Revival fam outside L.A., not too far, in Cerritos, October 7th at the Cerritos Performing Arts Center. Truly beautiful venue. Please come check that out. And we'll be up at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass in San Francisco uh, September 30th at 11.40 a.m. Bring your coffee. It's going to be amazing. Do you want to hear more from Ray Zaragoza? Of course you do. This is actually only part one. Next week we'll bring you part two where we dive into uh, our crazy ideas about reincarnation and her hopes and dreams for the future. And she plays an exclusive acoustic song just for you. As always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Z Lupitan, and we are part of the mighty Osiris Podcast Network. Please leave us a kind review on the iTunes page, and we'll see you next week with more stories.
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! <laughs>